Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Con el crecimiento de nuestra iglesia, with growth of our church, también uh, necesitamos proteger nuestra cultura. We also need to protect our culture. Uh, y esa es una cultura de relaciones reales y relevantes. And that culture is real, relevant relationships. Amen. We're growing and we have to protect the culture. Many times churches grow or anything grows, and because something grows, the culture changes. But it's the culture that has helped form this church. It is the real, relevant relationships that we have here. It's not a slogan. The slogan was actually birthed out of the action, not the slogan and then the action. We are genuine family here. And that's why we're having small groups starting today. And I encourage you, if you didn't sign up, get signed up. I know it's a little late, but make sure you attend. The NFL hasn't saved you. The NFL won't be there for you. The NFL's not going to help you during your troubled times. But there's a brother and sister here that will be there for you if you take time to connect. Amen. Turn with me real quick, and I don't have the scripture up, I don't think, but I just want to read from James chapter 3, 10 through 12. Just uh, Santiago. It says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brothers, this thing ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or grapevine bear figs? Thus no springs yield both salt water and fresh water. Something bitter shouldn't be coming out of, out of the mouth along with life. So if you're speaking life, you should continue to speak life and not speak bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. We have this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. El mensaje de esta mañana este en Amargura que nuestro texto dice es ser eliminado de ti. This message this morning is on bitterness, which our text says, be put away from you. Now, have you ever known anyone that was bitter? ¿Alguna vez has conocido a alguien que era amargo? Now, if you know somebody that's bitter and they're sitting next to you, don't look at them. Maybe they're bitter with God, blaming God for bad things that have happened to them. Maybe they're bitter at a mate, blaming that person for what they had done to them. Maybe 
Perhaps this relationship ended in divorce. Maybe you're bitter at a parent or a child. Amargo a un padre o un niño. Maybe you're bitter at an employer because they didn't give you the promotion that you thought you deserved. Fuises amargo un empleador porque no aventuvieron la promoción que crían que merecían. Now let's take a look at what bitterness really is. Echamos un visitazo y viemos que es realmente amargura. Maybe you're in here today and you're bitter. Maybe you know somebody that's bitter. Maybe you're bitter and you don't even know it. Tal vez estás amargo, amargado y no sepa. Maybe you're on the receiving end of bitterness. No sé dónde puede estar esta mañana. I don't know where you're at this morning. Pero la amargura es un lugar en el que ninguno de nosotros puede permitirse vivir. Doesn't matter where you're at, but bitterness is a place that none of us can afford to live. El costo es demasiado grande. The cost is great. It's too expensive. So let's see what bitterness is. What makes a person bitter? Let's look. The first thing that makes a person bitter is perceived sin. Perceived sin. When we think somebody has sinned against us, we harbor resentment towards that person, which can turn into bitterness. A lot of us think people have done something wrong against us, and when we think that they've done something wrong against us, we begin to start harboring bitterness against them. The problem is, is we sit back and wait for an apology. If that apology doesn't come, we harbor resentment against that person. We also gotten this idea that before I could forgive somebody, I need them to apologize to me before I can give them any type of forgiveness. I just want to help you guys out. Did you guys know that the word apologize isn't found in the Bible? Yes. When someone sins against us, we wait for an apology. But what if we never get the apology? What if the person that you think's done something wrong to you never apologizes to you? Does that give you the right to hold resentment against them? Does that give you the right to be bitter with that person? What if that person doesn't even realize that they've sinned against you? What if they actually didn't do anything? You just perceived that they did something against you. If that person doesn't know, guess what? They're never going to come and apologize. You'll be waiting for an apology that's never going to come. Now, I know one time I had a member of the church come to me, and they came to me, and they were upset. And they said, Pastor, I was in the hospital for two weeks, and nobody came to visit me. You didn't call me. You didn't check on me. You didn't do anything. And I looked at him, and I was like, I didn't even know you were in the hospital. But yet for weeks they were holding that resentment because they felt as if I didn't care. When the fact was I didn't know. 
And then they said, I didn't want to bother you because I know your schedule is real busy and I didn't want to be a pain or a bother. But since I hadn't apologized for not seeing them, they grew bitter. And I was sitting there thinking, how could I apologize to you about something I didn't know? You know, that's why the Bible says if you have an odd against a brother, you go to them. But instead, it's just for some reason, we want to just hold on to that. We see him, we get the stank face. I apologized to them even though I hadn't done anything. But the cold part about it is they didn't actually come to me and say something. I just noticed there was something different going on. So I went to them and asked them. And if I never would have asked them, I never would have found out that they were bitter. And that bitterness in them can spring forth and affect other people. See, it doesn't matter if someone actually sinned against you or not. It is perceived sin that causes bitterness. Now, what are the characteristics of bitterness? How can you tell if someone is bitter? Or better yet, how can you tell if you're bitter? You know, it's funny because, you know, so many times as a preacher, I'm preaching and we hear these messages, especially about people being bitter, and we don't like to look at ourselves. We think about other bitter people that we know. Well, the word is for you today, not for the person sitting next to you. Matter of fact, look at somebody next to you going, this word's for me. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes you're bitter and don't know it. Listen, how can you know what are the characteristics of bitterness? Listen, bitterness remembers the details. Most of what you've done or what was done to you, you've forgotten. Most things that happen in your life, you will forget about it. You don't remember the details of most events, but when you're bitter about something, you can remember every little fine detail, every word that was said, the tone, the inflection, and the voice used, the time, the place, the hour, the weather, the leaves that were blowing, the color of the grass. You know exactly what has happened to you. Why is this true? Because you reviewed it over and over and over again in your mind a thousand times. And we don't normally review good things like that. But we will review bad things over and over again. That's why the Bible talks about why we should always have a grateful heart. Because God wants us to review the good things over and over again instead of the bad things over and over again. It's, na it's natural in our flesh to go over bad things that has happened to us. We'll remember the good things. We'll enjoy, we'll enjoy those when we think about them. And we'll set them aside. But when you are bitter over something, you just can't let go of it. I sort of heard amen at that point. It haunts you, and you play it over and over again, and you become obsessed with it. I have counseled people who are going through divorces. They are bitter. They have had thousands of good times in their marriage, thousands of good times in their marriage. They, have wouldn't, they wouldn't have gotten married in the first place. If they didn't have all these good times together. 
But something happens. They become bitter. They can't, they can't remember all the good times. All they can remember are the things that have been rehearsed in their minds over and over again. They'll remember the one bad offense instead of the 120 other good times that they've had. When a person is bitter, no detail is forgotten. Some details are even exaggerated. The more they analyze it and scrutinize it in their mind, the worse it becomes and the worse they become. How do you know that you're bitter? Your resentment causes you to be obsessed with all the sordid details of the event. Everything. Just how they were looking at you, how they were saying it, what they did, and how you felt about it. So number one, what we have to remember is what makes you bitter? Perceived sin. What are the characteristics of bitterness? Remembering the details. I know I sit down and I listen to people and they'll tell me exactly what happened. They go, you know, it was September. It was on the 3rd of September. That day I'll always remember. Some of y'all got it. Some of you young people in here don't. But people will start telling you. And as I'm sitting down listening to people, they're talking about, so I was, do, I was doing this, and, 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 and you know what they did to me? I'm like, what? Well, they were wearing some, some Levi's jeans. I believe they were 541s. Um, they were slightly cuffed at the bottom. And, and, and they'll go into these details that have nothing to do with the offense, but because they rehearsed it. And they're like, do you know they stabbed me in my heart a hundred times with a dull knife? I'm like, and you lived? When really they just poked him in the chest with their finger. But what we do is we exaggerate what happens when we're bitter. So we remember the details. And number three, why do we become bitter? Because we think we have a right to be. Some of us think we just have a right. I got a right to be mad. And we say mad, but really you're bitter. The Bible says be angry and sin not. So there's nothing wrong with being angry. There's nothing wrong with being upset. What happens is when you allow your anger and your and your you being mad turn into wrath and bitterness. See, bitterness isn't based on how big the offense is against us, but it's on how close the offense is. For instance, murder is a big offense. Somebody dies, it was a big offense. Well, you, you see it all on the news. There's been a bunch of mass shootings, and a bunch of people are being killed in different states. People are going around shooting. And we feel upset about it, but it doesn't make us bitter. Why? Because we don't know those people. It doesn't affect our lives personally. Who are the likely candidates of bitterness? I got an answer for you. It's those of us that are close to us. You're not usually bitter over people you don't know. It's usually somebody that's close. See, uh, uh, only a friend or family member can betray you. A stranger can't betray you. It's somebody that's close to you that will cause you to get bitter because of an offense or perceived offense. Your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, children, brother, sister, your boss, your coworkers, friends, family, relatives, your pastor, your church family, and even God. We don't get bitter about evil outside of our immediate contacts. Bitterness is based on how close the sin and the sinner is to us, not on how big the sin is. 
It doesn't have to be a big sin. It could be a little sin. If your husband doesn't take out the garbage once or twice, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not using any personal things. You won't get bitter over it once or twice. But if he doesn't take out the garbage a thousand times, then resentment begins and it turns into bitterness. Not at our house, right, honey? Yes. And you think you have a right to be bitter, that someone has sinned against you. And listen, and there's been no apology. There's no remorse. There's no change in their behavior. And because you don't get any of that, you feel you have a right to be mad, a right to hold something against them, and you think in your flesh that this is the right thing to do because they, had, they did something to me, so I'm going to hold it against them. And bitterness sets in. You will continue to be bitter until they get down on their hands and knees and make things right. And until they do, you think you have the God-given right to be bitter. Speaking to somebody today, you know, look, they did this to me. This offense was too great. They, they, they shouldn't have done that to me. I was just a child. I was, I was faithful, and they went out. On, I did this. I worked hard, and my boss did it. And you say, they, they know they did wrong, and I'm going to hold this against them in my heart until they come and apologize, until they admit that they were wrong. I got a right to be upset. Saints of God, let me ask you something. What if they never apologize? What if they don't even know that they've offended you? They're never going to apologize. What if they die and they never come crawling back to you for forgiveness? Once they're dead, they can't. Then you'll be bitter the rest of your life. And that bitterness will eat you up like cancer. It doesn't make any sense to be bitter the rest of your life because of the real or perceived sin that somebody else did to you. After months or even years of bitterness, you are waiting for an apology. You won't forgive them until they do. Then out of the blue one day, they come to you and apologize. You have spent years being bitter against them, waiting for them to come crawling back to you. They come, they finally apologize. Are you going to forgive them? You know, old habits are hard to break. Can you imagine being bitter at somebody for 30 years? Every time their name is mentioned, every time you see them, anytime a memory comes up from, you know, you get that, that feeling. I, I can't describe it. There's a feeling that you get inside you. It's like, oh, it's like sick. I oh, can't stand that person. For 30 years, and then one day they just show up to your door. You see them. They go, you know what? I did you wrong, and I'm sorry. I should have never did you like that. Do you really think you're just going to let it go? For years, you've gotten used to being bitter. You have grown accustomed to living bitter. So when they apologize, you can't just let it go. I've actually watched people, I've watched people come to them and say, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this, I was wrong, I was out of my mind, I was going through things during the time I wasn't myself, the Lord spoke to me and told me that I needed to come to you and, and apologize and say that I was sorry and repent, and they do all this, and I watch people break down and they start crying. 
And then all of a sudden, you were wrong. You should have never done that to me. Listen. He just admitted he was wrong. Why didn't you just sit there and listen to what they said? Because you still want to hold on to that. You've gotten so comfortable being in an uncomfortable place that it's hard for you to step out into freedom. Because bitterness is a prison that you put your own self in. <laughs> you just can't let bitterness go. It's become an obsession. It's become a way of life. Its tentacles have wrapped around you and has cut off all compassion. Bitterness doesn't forgive. So what does this tell us? Bitterness is your problem, not the person you're bitter against. And I hear you right now. Somebody just said, they're like, oh, pastor, what can I do about bitterness? Well, I'm going to tell you three things you can do about bitterness. First thing you can do, you can keep it inside. And when you do, it'll make you sick. Physically, emotionally, physiologically, spiritually, eventually it will kill you. Bitterness is deadly. You can see bitterness in the face of a bitter person. You guys remember the old commercial of Bitter Beer Face? The guy put his lip way over his head. You guys know bitter people, people that just walk around in life bitter. You could see it on their face. When you talk to bitter people, you could tell because they're bitter about everything. One incident, incident in their life makes them bitter at everything. It's like for some reason, as the, as the scripture says, this root of bitterness has sprung up and it has affected every part of their life. So when you make a choice, listen to me, you make the choice to hold on to bitterness. When you do, you better believe it's going to affect the rest of your life along with the the rest of your relationships, and your relationship with God. The second thing you could do with bitterness is let it out. Many psychologists will tell you to go to the person you're bitter against and just let it out. Don't keep it in. Share it. You just go to that person and say, hey, I'd love to share something with you. Did you notice that these are just psychologists that say, go to that person. The Bible says, go to that person. It says, when you have an odd against a brother, you go to that person and you tell that person, I got an issue with you. You've sinned against me. You've done me wrong. I'm salty. Salt, what's the taste of salt? Oh, I'm bitter against you. And this is my issue. You go to them. The Bible actually says if they hear you, you've gained a brother. Psychologists, science will tell you to do the same thing. But instead, what we do is we get bitter. I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably going ahead of myself, but I, it's okay. We get bitter, and the person I'm bitter against is here. And instead of telling that person, I come over here and I tell this person what they did to me. Do you know so-and-so did to me. Yeah. See, the root of bitterness is now springing forth and coming out of me, and now it's infecting other people. Now, maybe, you had, maybe I'm telling you an experience that I had with this person, and you've never had that experience. And then uh, because I've told you about it, because I came to you instead of them, now guess what happens? 
They don't see it, but the moment they see hints of it, they're going to jump to conclusions, and now you've gotten 10, 12 people that you ran and told that are all going to be against that person. I see it happen with churches all the time. That pastor doesn't help anybody out. That church is there. I can't stand church. I'm not going to church anymore. And you shouldn't go to church anymore either. Well, that's up to you. But are they just taking your money? They want you to serve all the time, pastor, doing all this. And you see, you see that you see Joe Olstein. He got millions of dollars. What do I got to do with Joe Olstein? You, you guys. <laughs> Do you guys realize there are more people not going to church because of bitterness from somebody else, from some other pastor? So the key thing that we have to do with bitterness, one of the things is first, you can keep it inside. Number two, you can let it out. But when you let it out, you let it out to the person. But God has a better plan for what, you did, for, for what to do with bitterness. God says, this is what God wants you to do. He says, dig it up. Dig it up. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. It says, pursue peace with some people. Pursue peace. That means to follow it. That means to chase after it, to go after it with a tenacity. I'm going after it. It doesn't, just, it doesn't mean try peace. Try peace is just try peace, okay? So if I was food and somebody says try this, they give you a small piece just in case you don't like it, right? But it says pursue peace which means I'm giving you the whole steak. Shove it in your mouth. Start chewing. This is what God is saying. He says, pursue it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled or infected. Pursuing peace. If I'm bitter, there's no peace. If I'm bitter, there's no holiness. If I'm bitter, I won't see the Lord. It says looking carefully means you better be careful. You need to check yourself. Lest you fall short of the grace of God. If any root of bitterness be in you, springing up, that means it's a root. You don't see it, but eventually that root becomes a stem. The stem grows up, leaves, and then it starts to bear fruit, and that fruit will defile many people. As you see, the Bible describes bitterness as a root. A root is underground. It can't be seen, but you can see the evidence when the root cracks the sidewalk. You ever walk down the sidewalk and see just, just a little plant coming up through a crack? You didn't know it was there until it starts to spring up. Just because you can't see the root doesn't mean it isn't there. Roots don't always stay roots. Eventually, they will come up and bear fruit. The root of a lemon tree will bear the sour fruit of a lemon tree. It won't bear the sweet fruit of an orange tree. Did you guys get that? Roots grow. They spread. Thereby, many are defiled. Bitterness can spread through a church. It can spread through an office. It can spread through your school. And it can spread through your family. As I bring this to a close, you may be asking yourself, 
Pastor, I'm bitter about some things in my life. How do I remove this bitterness? How do I dig up this bitter root? How do I avoid pouring my bitterness into other people? I don't want to defile other people with these things that have happened to me. The key thing that we have to do, saints, is we have to first recognize our bitterness. I can't help you with something you don't realize you have. And sometimes it hurts when we realize we have it. Can I just a side note here? That's the real importance of fellowship. Because sometimes you can't see in yourself what others can see. You know, it's funny that in, in the morning I look at myself and I, I get dressed and I look at myself and I see myself. I got a big, real big mirror, lights. I look at myself, but I always go to my wife before I leave and go, how do I look? And she'll give me the once over. But I just got done looking at myself for 10 minutes. But I still go to somebody and ask them, how do I look? Because sometimes they will see things that we will refuse to see in ourselves. And sometimes, can I just be honest? I look, I'll go and I'm I'm thinking, I'm I'm not dressed and I'm like, okay, yeah, I look good. Everything looks good. Then I'll go to her and I'm like, okay, how do I look? And she'll look and she'll go, uh, nah, that. You got another pair? And she's always gentle. Yeah, it's shoes. It's a, uh, you know, the shoes don't. And she'll, 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 she'll tell, testify this. I get upset. Catch this analogy. I get upset, but I asked her. Do I want her to lie to me? Oh, yeah, you look good. Yeah, go on, honey. You're doing it. Killing it. Or do I want her to look at me and tell me the truth? You look like boo-boo the fool with them shoes on. Many of us don't want to ask our brothers and sisters, what they see in us because we know they're going to tell us the truth. And when they tell us the truth, we're going to get angry and mad about it. The natural offense, the natural feeling when they do that, you're going to get mad. But remember, watch this. When you get mad, taking a deep breath and go, Lord, thank you for the truth. It hurts, but it's changing me. When somebody looks at you and says, you're bitter, you need to get that out of your life. Don't be like, you don't know what happened to me. doesn't matter what happened to you. Before you can ever move from bitter to better, you have to confess that you hold resentment from, from whatever happened, whatever the situation. You have to just sit down and say, God, I've been holding on to this mess for years, and it's become rancid, and it's a infected my life, affected my life, and God, I need you to remove it. I need you to give me the grace to to help me remove it. 
So many of us are like, God, reach into my life and pull this, this root. God said, I didn't put it there. And I'll help you with it. I'll give you the grace to remove it. But you're going to have to do something about it. You have to realize it's your problem and not the problem of the person that's done the offense to you. The bitter person always thinks that the other person's sin is that problem. The truth is, bitterness is the sin of the bitter person. Did you hear what I said? Bitterness is a sin of the bitter person. No matter the sin the offender has done to you or you think they've done to you. If your bitterness is the fault of the person who has offended you, then you wouldn't be bitter. You wouldn't take bitterness if somebody was trying to give it to you. Bitterness is a choice. You have to confess your bitterness as a sin. God, I'm bitter. I have sinned against you. The only thing that will get rid of this bitterness is if I confess this bitterness to my God. It's your sin. Bitter, bitterness isn't based upon what somebody did to you. It's the result of what you have done with the offense. I know there's some things, some horrible things have been done to people. I know. And I'm not making light of it. But we have to realize that there's some things that we've done to people. We always look at what people have done to us. But you know what would help is when we look at somebody offended us is to take a step back and go, you know what? I've offended other people. And I, hopefully they forgive me. So that same forgiveness that you want, you got to turn around and give. So you have to recognize your bitterness, realize that it's your problem, and confess it as sin. Because if you don't remove bitterness, it will do these things to you. It will devastate you, destroy you, discourage you, divide you, defile you, and deprive you. It will devastate your spirituality. It will destroy you physically. It will discourage you emotionally. It will divide the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. It will defile your relationships with people and with God. And it will de deprive you of the blessings that God wants to put on your life. I know one thing that's really helped me, and, and I actually did this message a couple years ago when I was upset. People looked at me and said, you're bitter. I'm like, I'm not bitter. I'm a little angry. I'm just a little angry. You're right to be angry. A little time. People kept telling me, close that were close to me, <laughs> dude, you're bitter. I'm not bitter. So I said, let me go look up, uh, look, let me look up some evidence of bitterness. And I was like, oh, yeah. Check mark. Check mark. Check mark. Check mark. And I was looking, I was looking at a psychology today. I'm bitter. And the Lord began to speak to my heart right, right when I said, I'm bitter. And the Lord began to speak to my heart when I confessed it. And he showed me, and, this, and what I'm sharing with you is what helped me and what helps me get rid of bitterness. I, I still deal with things sometimes and, 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 and I don't realize it and I'm telling you this importance of fellowship and getting connected is when I start saying things or talking, talking about I got people around me that'll give me that look like uh, those shoes don't go with that outfit. You're bitter. And I get mad 
But I remember this. There is many offenses that we've done to God. And we ain't even repented. We ain't even gone to God and said, I'm sorry. We haven't even changed our behavior. We didn't come crawling back to him and saying, God, forgive me. My, my behavior was wrong. I've done you wrong. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he forgave the sins of the world before it happened. He's not bitter against you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you so much that he's offering you a relationship with him. No longer for you to be bitter because he's not bitter against you. You shouldn't be bitter against your brother. For the same way that God has forgiven you, you ought to forgive others the same way. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise God. So as I said in the beginning, it's important for us to stay family. And, and these, these practical things that I'm telling you is not just for the church, but you can take it in every area of your life. I want to see us grow, not just as a church, but when you go home, your families become stronger. The men of God here are stronger. The women of God are stronger because if you guys remember, I said strong men make good, strong husbands and strong husbands make strong marriages and strong marriages make strong families and strong families make strong churches. It's something that we can carry in with us outside these walls. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. If you're here today and you just are in a place of bitterness. You've been bitter against somebody. I'm going to pray, but I can't confess it for you. You need to confess it yourself. So just bow your heads with me and search your hearts. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you, Lord, that you're not bitter against us. And we ask right now, we confess first. We confess our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our resentment that we've held towards anybody, any situation. God, I thank you that even right now as we search our hearts, that you are bringing it to the surface of the bitter root that we have buried in our lives. Lord, we ask that you will give us the grace to help remove it. And Lord, we pray that even over time, even if the offenses continue, we thank you, Lord, that you are showing us how to protect our hearts that we will do the word of God so that as we do the word of God, you will bless us with more grace to endure it. God, I thank you right now that we just release those people out of our lives. We release them of their offense, Lord, and we thank you right now that you are giving us the strength to walk as Jesus did, to forgive as Jesus did. So we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.